Hey boss, welcome to the Productive Boss Podcast, where your host, Miss Unconventional, helps you conquer your chaos, guarantee your goals, and become a productive boss without sacrificing your self-care. Overwhelmed with your to-do list? Can't seem to follow one course until success? Kiera Osnowskis is here to help you reclaim your time, energy, attention, and sanity so you can get the right things done at the right time for the right reasons. The booked and busy culture is canceled, sis. We're profitable and productive over here. Get ready to boss up and design your best life. Permission to Pivot Granted, an unapologetic guide to changing your goddamn mind and life. Part two, the anatomy of a pivot. Before 2020, how often did you hear or use the word pivot? Honestly, I didn't use it much. I unknowingly pivoted so many times, but I never labeled my actions as a pivot. It was just me changing my goddamn mind. Entrepreneurs were talking about adapting to the times, being forced to pivot, and they were mostly referring to business. But the truth is, for most of us, the year 2020 required pivots of epic proportions in more than just one area of life. Sure, career is important, but what about the other areas? Earlier, I defined a pivot as a shift, reversal, or change in our direction, decision, or goal that is due to one or more of the following. A drastic change in circumstances, a drastic change in environment, an influx of new information that is in direct contradiction to the old information, or a drastic decline in enthusiasm for a direction, decision, or goal because the end result no longer aligns with the season one is in. I've been able to identify 10 major types of pivots, personal pivots, relationship pivots, professional pivots, educational pivots, spiritual pivots, lifestyle pivots, mental pivots, financial pivots, physical pivots, and value-based pivots. As you were reading through that list, you may have thought about some pivots you've made in these areas just in the last year. COVID-19 had us making relationship pivots when we realized our quarantine bay was actually intolerable, educational pivots because schools shut down, spiritual pivots because people start praying a whole heck of a lot more in the midst of a pandemic, lifestyle pivots because shrimp dinners and Spanish wine had to be replaced with instant ramen and tap water, financial pivots because we had to rob Peter to pay Paul, physical pivots because we had to become disciplined enough to exercise at home rather than at the gym, and professional pivots because many of us could no longer go into our workplace. I mean, I could go on and on. The pivots of 2020 were endless. It all happened so fast and all at once that we forgot we've actually been pivoting in these areas for years. It's just different when it's done under the pressure of a global pandemic. Here's a brief description of each type of pivot. Personal pivots. You've experienced this type of pivot before, right? It's when you say to yourself at the end of the beginning of the year, I'm going to get my entire life together this year. Watch. You begin establishing morning routines, developing new habits, tapping into your adventurous side, all the things. These types of pivots usually happen around a new year, new quarter, or around birthdays. These are times when we're reminded that striving to the best, to be the best version of ourselves is a great idea and we should try again, even though our previous attempt failed. 
In a nutshell, personal pivots deal with changes or shifts in routines, habits, hobbies, and passions. They tend to be difficult to execute because they require a shift in day-to-day behavior and mindset. If you have the kind of personality where you can quit habits cold turkey and adopt new ones, you may thrive. But few of us are naturally this way. So personal pivots often require accountability and frequent motivation in order to stick with it. Relationship pivots. If you go through life without experiencing a few relationship pivots, are you even human? I'm talking intimate, platonic, familial, and professional relationship pivots. By the end of the rebel season, you will likely have experienced at least half a dozen of pivots in this area. Think about your relationships in the last three to five years. How many of them have stood the test of time? Out of those, how have the dynamics of those relationships changed? I'll give you an example. A friend of mine was in a relationship with a man that treated her like a queen in the beginning, but at some point, that treatment began to wither away. He became distant. They stopped having meaningful conversations. They began to argue about everything, and eventually, they just couldn't stand being around each other. She had a choice, stay or go. She chose to go. Why? Because the relationship was no longer serving her best interests or his. Sometimes we treat seasonal people like forever people and forever people like seasonal people. This is a major pivot type because when emotions get involved, they can cloud our judgment and we end up learning lessons the hard way in this area of life. If you don't use the pivot protocol for any other area, use it for this one. It may save you from unnecessary heartbreak. Professional pivots. This is the most commonly discussed, analyzed, and written about type of pivot. Unless you are one of the rare exceptions, you will have to make multiple professional pivots in your life. We have all heard those stories about how back in the day, you worked for one company for 30 to 40 years, retired and received a gold watch. That's great and all, but how many stories have you heard like this in the 21st century? Not many. Attitudes are set up differently nowadays, and most people can hardly stand the same spouse and child for 20 years, let alone a corporate job. Am I right? Think about the jobs, careers, and side hustles you've held in the last three to five years. If you haven't changed companies, think about promotions you've had or new roles you've taken on. Any change or shift dealing with how you make a living is considered a professional pivot. Take me, for example. I thought I was going to stay in the TESOL field for at least five years. But when I was teaching in Afghanistan, I had a strong urge to pursue a degree in human resources. I thought I would be on track to land a spot in a well-respected leadership development program. I had no idea that in the midst of that pursuit, God would reveal to me my true calling to teach young entrepreneurs how to design the life and business of their dreams. I couldn't understand why I didn't even get interviews for HR positions that I was more than qualified for until I realized those rejections were redirections. All of the professional pivots led me to my purpose, and for that, I am grateful. Educational pivots. We've all seen it, right? We've seen people change their mind and drop out of school, switch their major last minute, or decide to forego formal education altogether and dive straight into the workforce. The problem is, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, no one commends you for dropping out. Unless you're Michael Jordan or Beyonce, no one praises you for foregoing formal education altogether. And unless you're switching from liberal arts to STEM, no one applauds your decision to switch majors. We're constantly bombarded with everyone else's perfect view of what 
education should look like. It looks something like this. Finish high school, go to college, study something that makes other people think you're smart or will lead to a high paying job, blah, blah, blah. But did anyone stop to think that it makes zero sense to push this narrative of the perfect educational sequence on everyone without regard to, well, anything? I can think of a bazillion reasons why it's problematic, but that would require me to go far beyond the scope of this book. But here's one simple reason. Not everyone needs a formal education to do what they want to do. If someone wants to start a travel blog and make money as an affiliate marketer or get paid for their videos or photos, why on earth would they would that person need to go to a four-year university first? She could take online courses, hire a private photography coach, or pay the video pay for videography lessons, but a formal education would not necessarily make or break this person's career aspirations. Those of you who are thinking, well, what if she changes her mind and wants to do something that does require formal schooling? To that I say, good for her. She changed her goddamn mind. Now she needs to do what she has to do to reach her goal. Plain and simple. But can you imagine going into thousands and thousands of dollars worth of unnecessary, unforgivable debt when what you wanted to do didn't even call for it? I'm triggered just writing this. I thank God for my education and I don't regret it because at the time I did want to do something that requires a formal degree, but that's not always the case. Spiritual pivots. Most people don't consider spiritual pivots because they seem to happen infrequently compared to the other types of pivots, but it's more important to highlight them here. Spiritual pivots are associated with your religious beliefs, plain and simple. The reason why pivots don't happen nearly as often in this area because we're dealing with fundamental beliefs and values that are normally passed down from our parents when we were in that copycat season I mentioned earlier. Most people stick with whatever they were raised to believe about a higher power and how the world came into existence. Beyond that, spiritual practices like prayer, going to a place of worship, etc. all fall under this category. I've made a couple spiritual pivots in my life. The first was when I was younger and my mom, along with one of the pastors and a few members of the church, no longer liked what they were witnessing in the church we went to. Instead of abandoning church altogether, my pastor decided to host those who decided to leave at his apartment. It was about 10 to 15 of us. We began having church every Sunday at his apartment. It was great while it lasted and definitely a drastic shift for us. I was old enough when this happened that I made my own decision to attend and participate. There are more extreme pivots in this area, like when someone converts altogether to a different religion or when a believer becomes an atheist. This type of pivot does happen more frequently than we think. Lifestyle pivots. Did you ever get a significant raise or a new job that pays more and the first urge you felt was to level up your lifestyle by buying new cars or clothes or even moving into a nicer place? That's a lifestyle pivot. This type of pivot deals mostly with the material characteristics of our life, as well as the quality of your experiences. Think about where you live, the food you eat, the car you drive, the places you travel to, your means of travel, the in the types of social engagements you attend. Any change or shift dealing with the things that make up your social status is considered a lifestyle pivot. For example, I used to be a budget traveler. I enjoyed staying in hostels and couch surfing because it was cheap and I got to meet amazing new friends. I ate street food and cooked all my meals. I took buses and trains as opposed to a plane whenever possible. And when I did choose to fly, I always flew economy. Then I began to make more money. I got older and began fancying the finer things in life. My tastes changed and While I still love to travel, I no longer want or need to travel on a strict budget. 
mental pivots. Now, this type of pivot may be the hardest of them all. Why? Because the greatest battles are usually fought within our minds. It takes conditioning and reprogramming to pivot mentally. Mental pivots deal with mindset shifts and ways of thinking. Think about the mindset you have regarding topics such as education, race, love, and money. Any change or shift dealing with your thought processes and perception of the world around you is considered a mental pivot. The biggest mental shift I've ever made was my mentality around what's possible for young Black women in business for herself. I don't think I realized that Black women can be six and seven figure solopreneurs. I knew we could have small businesses, but I think on a subconscious level, I wasn't convinced that we could build seven figure coaching businesses like Tony Robbins or Brendan Burchard. It was only when I started surrounding myself with the type of women who shattered that limited thinking with the way they showed up in life and business that I began to believe that we are just as capable and it is being done by women who look just like me. These women have receipts. I was empowered and inspired and now I know that I can do it too. My mentality has completely shifted. Financial pivots. If you're thinking this type of pivot is the same as lifestyle pivots, think again. While lifestyle pivots can sometimes have money-related motivations, financial pivots deal directly with the way you handle money. For example, I used to believe in the power of social security, retirement accounts, and pensions. But the experiences in my life have led me to take more control over my finances by learning how to manage my own accounts and not relying on government programs to be my only saving grace when I retire. As a result, I'm learning how to day trade, manage my own investment portfolios, and seek other ways to make, save, and invest my money. I used to think that debt, especially student loan debt, was just a part of life. It was just something that we all have and would always have. But I realized that becoming debt-free was synonymous with freedom. And I decided to pay off all of my debt and invest my money in stocks, currencies, and my brain, of course. Financial pivots can be tough. But I find that those who make the best financial decisions are those who spend time educating themselves on the subject. I've read dozens of personal finance books, and I've taken a little bit of power back with each book I read. Physical pivots. Have you ever gone from skinny to fat, then fat to skinny, and back again? No? Okay, so just me then. All right. Sometimes I feel women have just been hardwired to feel like we all have to change our bodies in some way or another. Physical pivots deal with health and fitness related decisions, workout regimens, eating habits, internal health treatments and supplements, and preventative care practices are all under this umbrella. Any change or shift dealing with the way you treat your body is considered a physical pivot. I recently made the decision to change my diet and exercise regimen under the supervision of a personal trainer, and it was the best decision I ever made. I gave up carbs, sweets, dairy, and overeating. At the end of 90 days, I was eight pounds lighter, healthier, and more energetic and confident. My mission to improve my health is one example of a fairly common yet powerful physical pivot. Values-based pivots. One might assume this type of pivot is like spiritual pivots in that our values don't change as frequently, but we do have to pivot in this area more than you think. For instance, when you were in your copycat season, did you really value things like time or financial freedom? Probably not. As we grow, evolve, and matriculate through the seasons of life, certain values like family, integrity, stability, and independence may become more or less important to us. When I was young, single, well-paid, and active, some of my values included travel, social relationships, and physical fitness. After I got married, my values shifted to family, financial security, and time management. 
This is not to say that values are exclusive to specific lifestyles. It just means that when your lifestyle changes, the things that are important to you or take priority in your life will inevitably change with it. Now you know the 10 types of pivots, and I bet you can identify a time when you've had to pivot in one or more of these areas. But the main question I always get is, how do I know if it's time to pivot? So let's dive deeper into the questions you need to answer before deciding to pivot. The six W's, pivot with purpose. The W's of a pivot are made up of six questions. One, which area of life warrants a pivot? Rate each area of your life on a scale of one to five, one being needs improvement and five being highly satisfied. Pay close attention to the areas you give a rating of one through three. This is your starting point. Who should determine if a pivot is warranted? Once you've identified the areas that need improvement, you want to list the people involved in the in this area of life. If you will be the only one affected, then there's no need to write this list. Three, why should you pivot? Next, you want to write down all the reasons why you think you should pivot in this area. List the pros and cons. Four, when should you pivot? After listing the pros and cons and analyzing the why, you'll have a better idea of how severe the situation is. The severity of the issue will help you determine when you need to initiate the pivot. There is no barometer for this. Only you can say what's tolerable or intolerable. My advice is if the pain of staying the same outweighs the potential pains of change, then it's time. Five, what should you do to prepare for a pivot? Once you've made the decision to pivot, you need to figure out how you're going to navigate the pivot. Who needs to know? Does it require any physical or environmental changes? Which actions do I need to take to make the transition as smooth as possible? Do I need a pivot partner? Six, how many times have you pivoted in this area? The only reason I include this question is because you want to make sure there are no unhealthy patterns here. There is no set number of times for pivoting in any area of life. You decide. But if you find yourself always having to pivot in a particular area of life, you may need to take a step back and determine if there's a deeper issue. Are your gears turning? You've been here before, right? You've been in that place where you've had to decide whether or not to stay the course when it came to a particular field of study, a job, or a friend or a partner. We all have to deal with these decisions. The truth is many of us make our decisions or set goals within these areas based purely on emotion, and that's where we miss the mark. Decisions in these areas require attention to detail, logic, and analysis. Does that sound too businessy for you? It's supposed to. People believe that strategy is just a term for business, but it's not. It applies to life as well. And when you create a strategy for your life, you set yourself up for success. Let me give you a few examples of the difference. Education. You begin college with the intention to study law but the classes proved to be much harder than you anticipated. You meet someone who dropped out of law school but still became successful, so you think to yourself, well, if I drop out, I can still be successful like this person, so I'm just going to quit because I'm failing anyway. No deep introspection, no analysis, no pros versus cons evaluation, just a weak rationalization for quitting because the path was harder than anticipated. Career. You make the decision to go full-time as an entrepreneur. You come up with what you feel is the perfect product or service. You spend months and thousands of dollars on development and bringing the product or service to market. And when it launches, crickets. 
you immediately feel discouraged and determine that the failure of the launch means no one's interested in what you have to offer and this isn't for you. You close up shop. No deep introspection, no analysis, no research to determine the cost, just a weak rationalization for why it didn't work out and why it never will. Relationship. You've been friends with this girl since childhood. You two had every class together, studied together after school, and even snuck out to parties together. But as you've matured, the friendship has changed. It feels one-sided. You seem to be progressing and happy in life, but your friend seems to be stuck. Every conversation is about her, and you stopped benefiting from the relationship a long time ago. Still, you stay in the friendship because it's familiar and lots of time has been invested. Again, no deep introspection, no analysis, no real talk session. Just a weak rationalization for staying in a friendship that stopped serving your best interests years ago. Do you see what I'm trying to point out here? Oftentimes, we make decisions based on our feelings or the feelings of others, and it leads us down a path that doesn't serve our highest self. And then we wonder why we are unhappy and unfulfilled. We feel like we can't afford to change our mind, do things differently, or choose a new path because the fear of loss creeps in. The reality is we often fear losing something or someone we never meant to hold on to in the first place. And herein lies the need for strategic analysis in our life. We start by asking and answering the six W's to get to the root of whether or not a pivot is warranted, asking ourselves and being honest with ourselves about the which, who, what, when, why, how of a situation is how we start to make sound decisions about the most important aspects of our lives. And at the root of all of this is selfishness and self-preservation, because the truth is a mother can be of no real value to her children if she's neglected herself and her best interests. A teacher can be of no great value to her students if she does not take care of herself first. A boss can be of no great value to her employees if she neglects to fill up her own cup. A wife can be of no great value to her husband if she neglects to address the true desires of her heart. A student can be of no great value to herself if she has yet to come to terms with how and why she learns. A person can be of no great value to the world if she has not laid the foundation and done the hard work to reach her highest self. You get the picture. My point is it's time to start making decisions and setting goals for our lives based on something more meaningful than emotions. It's time to start making decisions that align with our personality, our purpose, our passions, and the season that we're in. It's time to start making our mind align with our gut. It's time to begin pursuing what's right for us, no matter what other people think or how they may feel. A life well-lived should be a life that is in perfect alignment in a perfect representation of a pursuit to reach our highest self. If right now you're feeling like I have a point, but you're not sold, keep reading. Thanks for listening to the Productive Boss Podcast. If you made it this far, you're the real MVP. Serious about conquering your chaos and guaranteeing your goals? Head over to the ProductiveBossPodcast.com for more information. If you really love Miss Unconventional... Don't forget to rate, review, and connect with her on Instagram at The Productive Boss.